right, come on in. Now is the time for worship. I almost feel bad breaking up the coffee party in there. That was like a lot of fun having everybody out there. We have a beautiful privilege of praising our Lord this morning. And God, we just thank you that we can praise you. Thank you, Lord, that through the blood of Jesus Christ, we have been made worthy to even enter into your throne room this morning. God, thank you that we can lift our voices and sing to you because there is no God like you. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand on up. We'll praise God.
could stand before you, if you were to count and number our iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But with you, we find favor and we find grace and we find forgiveness and we find our slate is wiped clean and we are spotless before you because of the blood of Jesus Christ shed to pay the price of our sin. We thank you and we praise you in your name. Amen. You can have a seat if you're brand new to this fellowship and visiting today. We will be worshiping more after the teaching. So if you're like, wow, they really don't like to worship the Lord, that's not it. We just do things a little bit reversed here. So uh, be blessed by the teaching and we'll see you afterwards. Sorry, that's not supposed to flash. Hopefully nobody had a seizure from that. Uh, anyway, uh, good morning. And uh, do we have any veterans here? Would you stand up? And um, Rob Clark's in there. Serge is back there with the kids. And uh, all right, uh, can we just uh, thank you guys for your service? Thank you very much, guys. You can be seated. All right, today is, uh, uh, we have lunch after the service. Everybody's invited to that, and uh, we have a women's study at 1 o'clock. Also, uh, our study through Daniel will be in the cafe about 1, one o'clock-ish, depends on how long lunch goes. And, uh, and then Wednesdays, you're invited to our uh, worship and study through the Old Testament. Um, what else do we got going on? 
we still can use always volunteers uh, in, in every area. Uh, and so we're um, looking good. We got another volunteer in the children's ministry. So we're uh, starting to fill up that schedule, which is great. But there's always room for more uh, in any area there. And what else we got going? Oh, our donation. So yesterday we had our clothing and uh, food uh, handout out here. And it uh, just was another uh, just amazing day. What a blessing. So many people came by. The neighborhood was really blessed. Uh, and so if you guys have clothing, when you clean out your closets or whatever, uh, it's going quick. People, I mean, we've you guys have been bringing clothes. And it's yesterday the ladies were before they can even hang it up on there, we got racks where you hang it, they're opening the bags up and people are taking it before they can even hang the stuff up. So it's a real, real blessing uh, to the neighborhood here. And so we're super, and now a, a lot of people are coming, they're getting, the word's getting out, they're not just seeing the sign, they're actually, you know, so-and-so told me to come by here on Saturday. So it's a real blessing. So we do that every other Saturday and anybody's welcome to come out and if you want to hang out and help, and uh, we just uh, are just being there, welcoming people, inviting them to church, and uh, praying for them if they need it or if they ask for it. Um, okay, with that, uh, so that was my uh, praise. Anybody else have a, a praise they want to share? Uh, the Lord working in your life this week? If you would, just raise your hand. And uh, All right, not much going on today. And, uh, okay, well, Jordan has her hand up. I guess we can. Okay, this is a praise report, Jordan, right? Yeah. Not a prayer request. So how, how is the Lord blessing you this week? Well, um, today now, my granny out. We have this week, my granny, and um, we think I have my granny, um, um, stressed out because, um, Jesus, um, my granny still in rehab and, um, Nana, um, throughout rehab to, um, home today. My granny's home. Your, your dad is home? <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, okay. Very good. Well, uh, well, praise God for that. Jordan's uh, dad's a truck driver, and uh, so he's out of town a lot, but he's home uh, today, so praise God for that. Oh, we got some hands up back here. Um, me and Rob, we've been working on his house, and uh, we finally got the drywall done on the first floor. And I'm just glad that we are done sanding. Yeah. I am. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that. Okay. I just want to say that the past, for Charlotte and I, or the past couple weeks has been kind of rough. And I just want to thank Pastor Rob and everyone else who has been praying for us. Um, those who don't know, we've lost uh, our, former pa our former pastor in Washington State. We lost him um, on the 4th, and we lost... Uh, uh, an associate pastor that we were good friends with and we lost some other people in our lives and it's been rough it's not it's been rough but I want to say that what the enemy has tried to use for evil that the Lord will use for good yeah. and you know what 
these people that we lost in our lives are no longer suffering, they are face to face. They are face to face with Jesus. Amen. And the morning, and, and it's 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 been tough, but I want to say thank you to every person in here, and I pray that the Lord would pour out His blessings on every one of you. Thank you. Amen. Praise God. Monica's got her hand up. Um, most of you know what's going on with my mom being in the hospital after surgery. She's had now her second um, clean out from the original surgery um, because it's been infected and things. Um, really struggling with uh, some of the dementia issues. It's been very, very difficult. Um, as a result of that, she's been not eating and, it, you know, if you don't eat, you don't have the nutrients your body needs to repair itself. Right, so right. we've been trying to encourage her to do that and get up and move around. Um, the, I spoke with the nurse yesterday at the rehab because after being in the hospital, she had to go back to rehab and be quarantined for another two weeks. So here we are. She is desperate to come home. She cannot, she's just, anyway. The, the praise report is that the nurse is reporting that the surgery site looks really good. Um, and, you know, she's been eating some. They changed one of her medications, and it seems to be sort of helping her have a little bit more of an appetite, but okay. she's still not where she needs to be. But we're praying. Please join us in prayer Monday. She has an appointment with the plastic surgeon that will make a determination whether or not she can go home because she is able to get up and move around which is what we need for her to come right, home. Right. She's no longer on the IV antibiotics. Thank you, Jesus. Um, and so now we're just looking for the doctor to say, yes, the surgery site looks good and you can come home. So oh, nice. please, please Thank pray for that. Yeah. <laughs> but the praise report is the nurse says it looks good. So yeah. that's a good sign. Moving forward. Praise God. Yeah. yeah. Did you have your hand up? No. Okay. Oh, John's got his hand up in the back. How are everybody doing? Hey, good, good. I just want to let y'all know, this is my baby's birthday today. Oh. Happy birthday. All right. Okay, anybody else? Does anybody have a prayer need this morning? If you raise your hand, Tracy's got her hand up. We just want to gather around you. Just if a few would gather around and lift them up in prayer. DC's got his hand up right here. And so, and, uh, oh, that's all right. And uh, so if a few would gather around Tracy, DC, and uh, oh, for, for Graham. We're, DC's. Uh, and. Uh, Too, as well. I'll start us off. Lord, we just thank you for uh, working in our lives and these testimonies uh, about you and thanking you and glorifying you, Father. And so, Lord, we just ask right now that you would hear, hear us as we lift one another up to you, Father.
Father, as we gather here today, how sweet it is to know that ministry doesn't just come from a pulpit, but ministry comes in our fellowship. Ministry comes as two or three are gathered around each one with a need this morning. Father, we're reaching out to you. We have needs that we don't have the power over. But Almighty God, you have the power over everything. And in your wisdom, in your authority, you know the right answer. You know the right timing, even when we don't think the timing's right. So, Father, we are surrendered to you today. We are humbled before you today to allow you to do your work that occurs supernaturally when your children come together and reach out to you. Oh God, how good and pleasant it is. When we fellowship together, it is your anointing, like the anointing that ran down Aaron's beard. Father, such a sweet anointing today. I pray, Father, that you will honor that. That it's not about us, but about you meeting our needs. Father, I rejoice today to know you meet our needs through prayer, through fellowship, and through the study of your word. And I thank you, Father, to be in a fellowship where there is balance and where there is order and where we can have the time to praise you and the time to pray and the time to study your word. Father, I pray that today as we get into your word that you will make your word relevant to where we are at today. I already know because it's I've already gone through and Father, I am seeing your word worked out in this congregation, this fellowship today. Father, I thank you for that and just as you have chosen to use this vessel, I pray, God, that this vessel will get out of the way and that your Holy Spirit will carry your word to receptive hearts and minds through the ears. And that in hearing you, Father, we will be sustained and encouraged and strengthened to meet the challenges that lay ahead. Father, we give you the glory and the praise, and I pray now, Father, that in the study of your word we praise you yet again the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray. Amen. So here we are again, and this is one of those challenges, because if you're familiar with Calvary Chapel, we teach book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. How many of you have read ahead of where I'll be at today? And you're like, how in the world? That's the way I was. <laughs> uh, so I'm like, okay, God, you've got to uh, help me out here. A little walk through the woods and a little quiet time with God. And he said, do this and I'll do what I need to do. And I hope that you find out that's true because I found out that it's true. That God is always willing to take the study that we put into his word. And he is willing to speak to us even in what is a very personal part of this letter to the Thessalonian church. We hear Paul writing not so much doctrine as we hear in this section we're going through today Paul sharing his heart and how timely it is 
that it is really God giving thanks or Paul giving thanks for God working in that church at Thessalonica, a church where he was briefly. And so we see in our lives today too that we should be thankful for God's word and God's people. So as we get into this and we find that this is Paul simply sharing his heart with a local assembly, he founded that assembly, but he wasn't able to stay there. This should remind us that no matter how much theology we know, and I'm guilty, God didn't let me go to Bible college, he said I'd be no good because I'd be a theologian. So no matter how much theology we know, no matter how deep our understanding of Christian doctrine, no matter how much of the Bible we know, what is also critical is our ability to put into action what we are learning from the Word. And that's what we really see here in this section in the book of 1 Thessalonians. Paul putting all of his learning into action by sharing his love and thanksgiving with the Thessalonican church. So with that understanding, let's jump into the middle of chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians and we first hear Paul teaching about the importance of accepting God's word. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 13. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God which is at work in you believers. In this verse, we learn a major reason why Paul is thankful for the Thessalonian church. And that reason is that they received the word of God. Immediately, my mind recalls Jesus' parable of the sower. Let's read Jesus' explanation of this parable and then see how the Thessalonians are receiving the word of God. Matthew chapter 13, verses 8 through 20, 18 through 23. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. But as for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, and another sixty, and in another thirty. In Jesus' explanation of this parable, we learn at least four different ways in which the word of God is received. First, there is the person who does not understand the word of God, but only takes a passing interest in the word if they take an interest at all. I've come across those. I'm learning. If they're taking a passing interest, don't throw your pearls to swine. The second way a person receives the word is when the word is joyfully received, but when God fails to meet this person's expectations. You ever met somebody like that? Then he or she falls away, proving that the word never really took root in the person's heart. Then there is a person who receives the word, and the word takes root and grows in that person's life, 
but because of the cares of this world. And we all have those. This person never bears fruit for the Lord. Other times you've heard me call that the frozen chosen. Finally, we come to the seed that is sown in good soil. In that good soil of a person of a person's heart who truly believes the word, the word is understood. It takes root and produces fruit in many ways. So it's obvious that when Jesus explained this parable of the sower, there was one of these four things we should desire to be. And we should desire that our heart would be that good soil. Well, Paul is thankful because the church at Thessalonica is proving to be a church of believers who are good soil for receiving the word. They're often cast into a negative light by their comparison with the Bereans. We know the verse, but the Bereans were more excellent than the Thessalonians for the Bereans searched the word out to find out what Paul was teaching is true. And we often think bad about the Thessalonians because of that. That's not how Paul thought about them at all. Paul is thankful that the Thessalonians did not have a mere encounter with God's word that was just passing by. The Thessalonians did not receive the word with joy but not develop any roots. The Thessalonians have not let the world drown out their obedience to the word and not only did they have the cares of life, they were being persecuted for believing. But the Thessalonians are proving to be fruitful by enduring the persecution, the hardships, and they are being fruitful by sharing the good news with others even in their own hardships. We learn from Paul of their fruitfulness in the next few verses along with the reason why Paul visited them in the first place. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 14 through 16 For you brothers became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews, who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets, and drove us out, and displeased God and opposed all mankind, by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved, so as always to fill up the measure of their sins. But wrath has come upon them at last." Paul starts his thoughts in these verses by comparing the Thessalonian believers to the first Jewish believers in Jerusalem. Paul makes a point that we should all understand. Persecution in our lives is often started by those to whom we are the closest. So for the Thessalonian believers, it was their families, friends, and co-workers who first started persecuting them because of their belief and obedience to Jesus as Lord. Then Paul briefly switches his train of thought to the Jews and in so doing pronounces on them prophetic judgment for their rejection of Christ. Paul lays out the sins of the Jews who repeatedly rejected God's word rather than receive Jesus or his apostles or, his, or the prophets. It is because of the Jewish opposition that Paul would focus his attention on becoming the apostle to the Gentiles. This brings to my mind what Paul would later write to the church at Rome. Romans chapter 9, verses 22 through 24. By the way, you need to know Romans 9, 10, and 11. I'm taking just little bits out of all three chapters, out of two of the three chapters. What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience 
Thank you, Lord. Vessels of wrath prepared for destruction. In order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, for which he has prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. On Sunday afternoons, we've been studying the book of Daniel. In that study, we have learned about Daniel's prophecies, including the Gentiles' fate up to the coming of the Son of Man. But for the most part, Daniel's prophecies were given to prepare and warn the Jewish people of what was coming and when the Messiah would come. A strange thing happens in Daniel's prophecy where essentially a year-by-year -year overview is given until the Messiah is cut off. Immediately following the death of the Messiah, Daniel's prophecy resumes with the last seven years of life on earth before the day of the Lord. While Daniel's prophecies are not explicit about the church age, there is in the silence between the 69th and the 70th week a prophetic hint that the Lord would focus his attention elsewhere for a time. Paul makes the Lord's focus of attention clear in Romans chapters 9, 10, and 11. In between the prophetic periods, the Lord would show his wrath on the Jews for their rejection and his mercy on the Gentiles to prove that salvation is truly a work of God's grace and not a person's obedience to the law. So what about the Jews? Let's look at what Paul prophesies in Romans chapter 11. Romans 11, verses 11 and 12. So I ask, did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. Now, if their trespass means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? The whole purpose of God in the church age is to make the nation of Israel jealous for God's mercy and grace poured out on the Gentiles. There are some who teach that the church has replaced the nation of Israel. But in verse 12 we see that is not the Apostle Paul's expectation. No, Paul's expectation is that there is a day coming when the nation of Israel as a whole will accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. When will that day be? That day will be after the wrath of God is fulfilled and we know that it will not occur until the end of Daniel's prophetic 69th or 70th week. That is what Paul means when in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 16, he writes that God's wrath has come upon them. He is prophesying that the church age will last until the Lord focuses his attention on Israel once again. This is keeping in line with Paul's objective in writing 1 Thessalonians and this objective is to make sure that this church, and so we, understand how things will end. Paul was able to teach them how salvation begins, but was not able to hang around long enough to fully explain how salvation will be fulfilled. If understanding the reward was important enough for Paul to write this letter, then it is an indication that we too should be looking for the fulfillment of our salvation to come and focusing on producing fruit in this world while waiting on the world to come. In the next few verses, we learn why Paul is writing to the church instead of visiting the church. Verses 17 through 18. 
But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. Because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again. But Satan hindered us. What? Paul is writing to the church at Thessalonica because according to Paul, Satan was hindering him from making a return visit. This is the apostle Paul. We don't know exactly how the adversary was opposing Paul, but it is most likely because the persecution of the Jewish sect in Thessalonica was so severe that Paul could not hope to return and productively teach without interruption or opposition. Here David Guzik makes a point that's worth repeating. 1 Thessalonians is thought by many people to be the first letter that Paul writes. Paul writes this letter because of the enemy's opposition. However, this letter becomes part of the New Testament along with all of Paul's letters. So what the enemy meant to oppose the teaching of the gospel instead turned out to become the written testimony of the gospel that we still turn to today to learn about the rapture and the Lord's return. Pastor Chuck used to say that when one door is closed, another door will be opened. And often when that door is closed and we don't know what's going on and been there, I've got the notes to prove that's exactly where I've been. And then I have seen God open another door because there has been an adversary pushing against me God says, hold on, I'm going to open another door that may very well turn out to be better than the one you originally wanted to go through. Paul wanted to go to Thessalonians. If Paul had gone to the Thessalonican church and taught them in person about the rapture and the end times, we would not have had this letter, which is the clearest example in the New Testament of how God is going to work the end of the church age. So what the enemy meant for evil, once again, you like to preach it for me, brother, God turned around for good because God is always good. He is good all the time, and all the time He is good, and we have got to have faith that no matter how bad it is in our life, that our God is good and working what is good for our life. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 19 through 20. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at His coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. At the end of chapter 2, Paul ties together the hope of reward with the reason for the reward as he declares the faithful believers at Thessalonica to be His glory and crown. I believe that Paul is looking forward to hearing Jesus proclaim, Well done, my good and faithful servant. And Paul knows that the reason for this proclamation of the Lord is found in the evidence of Paul's ministry. This evidence is not referring to the size of the church or the church building or the prosperity of the church's budget, but the Thessalonians believing and bearing fruit for the Lord. That is in Paul's mind evidence of the fruit his ministry is bearing. Notice that this encouragement works both ways. As Paul is encouraged, he encourages the assembly of believers. And as they are encouraged, they are that much more fruitful. And so Paul is that much more encouraged. And so the cycle continues. 
Never resent the glory another member of the assembly receives. Because when one person in this body is encouraged, then the whole body should be encouraged because it is a produce of what we are all together working for. Let's jump to chapter 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith, that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass, and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith, for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you, and our labor would be in vain. We can learn several things from Paul sending Timothy back to Thessalonica, recorded here in chapter 3. First, any new work of God must be nurtured in order to be established. Since Paul was unable to return, he sent someone he trusted to do this work. Second, that means even though Paul was a fruitful minister of God's word, he did not try to do everything himself. I think sometimes we think about the Apostle Paul and we think that he did it all. He didn't. He had a team with him doing ministry. Moses attempted to do it all by himself and the burden nearly cost him everything. Fortunately, he had a wise father-in-law. That's why don't you get 70 men to help you. God does not mean for us to do it all, but does mean for us to work together. Just as many varieties of fruit trees need to be cross-pollinated to bear fruit, once again, God's given us evidence in nature of how we should behave. So too believers must meet and work together to bear fruit. Another thing we learn is that Paul is not surprised or discouraged by hardships. Hadn't got there yet with you, Paul, working on it. Rather than being discouraged, Paul uses the God-given wisdom to try something else. We also learn that it's not good for others to be alone but it is good for other believers to check on them so that the enemy is not able to discourage them in their walk of faith. While teaching the word is an important ministry, I am convinced the ministry of the body of believers ministering to one another is just as critical for a healthy church. 1 Thessalonians 3, 6 and 7 But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. So often we feel like we are alone in our living for Christ. If you don't, I do probably because I'm introverted and isolate myself more than I should. But I think other people feel that way too. However, we must understand that our faith and love are important comforts to one another. So often we may focus on how perfectly obedient we are to the Lord's commands. Yet if we appear perfect to others, then we often find ourselves isolated 
from others. You know, that's what happened to the Jewish people. That's why they rejected Jesus. They, after different things, my mind's going back to the book of Daniel, and a very important time in history we should all know in the, the couple of hundred years before Jesus came to the temple, they had become so isolated for fear of being contaminated that they missed the Messiah when he came because he had something that seemed to be outside, but they were so isolated. Don't be isolated. I hope you're hearing that. Proverbs 18.1, as the Lord has used for me, says, uh, it's the foolish man that isolates himself. So don't be foolish, according to the Word of God. Don't isolate yourself. But when you're in a hardship, when you're facing persecution, when you don't know what to do, don't let the enemy keep forcing you to hide in yourself. Reach out to other believers and get their help. Yet if we appear perfect to others, we find ourselves isolated. It is when we are imperfect, but demonstrate an unshakable faith in Jesus to be perfect, and just to forgive us of our sins, that others are comforted by our faith. I'm not perfect. <laughs> People see that. I know Graham pretty good. Graham knows me. Graham knows I'm not perfect. Far from it. But when we are imperfect, what is highly important is when other people have seen those imperfections, we go to them and say, hey, brother, I messed up. And they see that we are dependent on God's forgiveness, not that we continue down a path where we shouldn't continue. Now, I'm not saying that Thessalonians were sinning, and I'm not saying this gives us an excuse to be disobedient to the Lord, so don't take it that way. That Paul addresses that over in Romans somewhere else. I'm saying that when we feel like giving up due to frustration, persecution, sin, or anything else, we can be encouraged by the testimony of others. And as we overcome such cares of this world, we should not be shy of sharing our praise report. And I thought, my goodness, this morning, here I got this line and this message, and nobody's going to give a praise report. <laughs> Thank you for being obedient and allowing Jordan to break the dam of everybody saying, let me tell you what God is doing in my life. And once again, we prove that God is good. And we are encouraged to hear the testimony of how God is bringing others through their hardships. How do we respond to the evidence of faith in other believers' lives? 1 Thessalonians 8-10 through 10. For now we live, if you are standing fast in the Lord, for what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. The evidence of faith in other believers' lives is a reason for us to rejoice in the Lord and give thanks to the Lord for what He is doing. Have you gotten to the place yet in your walk with the Lord that you can truly give thanks for what God is doing in other people's lives even if you're going through affliction like Paul was going through distress and affliction. This is part of the learning process where we learn that our Father has no favorites, but loves each of us without measure 
And His grace for each of us knows no limitations. Why then do we have different experiences? Because our Heavenly Father always knows best, and if we will trust Him, then He will build and establish our faith in Him in the best way possible for each of us. Furthermore, the proper response to the evidence of faith in other people's lives is that we continue to pray for them. It is one thing to intercede for someone when they are sick or hurting, but do we pray for one another when we are well? I'm learning this lesson as I grow in faith and I am convinced that such prayers for those whose faith is strong is beneficial for overcoming the attacks, schemes, and plans of the enemy. How should we pray? Paul provides us with an example at the end of chapter 3. 1 Thessalonians 3, verses 11 through 13. Now may our God and Father Himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that He may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all His saints. In Paul's prayer for the Thessalonians, we can find several different ways to pray for someone we perceive they're doing well in the faith. This person's got it together and they're doing good. Do you know that one of the greatest plagues we have in the church, and by this I mean the church nationwide, is pastors falling. It is one of the greatest plagues and one of the greatest shames we have. And as a lot of people say, the pastor's got it all together. He don't need me to pray for him. Brother and sister, he needs you to pray for him almost more than anybody else. You know, we can pray for the sick and we can pray for the dying and praise God that God responds to that. But the people who are putting themselves on the front lines in this spiritual warfare need our prayers. I'm guilty. I'm pointing a whole bunch of fingers at myself for not doing spiritual warfare in this manner. So I'm telling you, God hit me with this and I'm just passing along the hit. First of all, we start out. Pray that the Lord will bring us together in fellowship. We never thought that would be a real thing, did we? About a year ago at this time, we couldn't come together in fellowship. Pray that the Lord will bring us together in fellowship. It is fellowship with other believers, especially fellowship in the Word, together that brings us the strength we need to make it day by day. Y'all don't know how many Sundays Tracy and I have driven all the way over here and not wanted to leave our little comfortable isolation place in the woods and get here because the week had absolutely beat us down and drug us out. But the number of times that Rob almost has to run us off on Sunday afternoon because we've come here in the fellowship, in the fellowship of God's Word, and we are nourished and we are encouraged and we are strengthened to face the battles that lie ahead in the next week. Pray that the Lord will make His love increase in other believers' lives. The Lord's increasing love in a believer's life works to convince us that we are loved by God, and since we are so loved by God, then we are enabled to love others. You see, we all want to do it by our own willpower. 
we all know that Jesus loves everybody. So this person who is rude and mean and belligerent, I should love them and I should do it by my will. No. You do it by realizing that God loved you when you were rude and mean and belligerent towards Him. And when you focus on the love that God has for you, you know that God has that same love for that other person. And that's how you do it, not by your own willpower. You do it because you're imitating your Father in heaven. Third, pray that the Lord establishes the heart of another believer even if he or she seems strong in the faith. Many believers are facing tests designed by God to strengthen a person's faith, but there is a roaring line that wants to twist those tests so that it leads to the destruction of a person's faith. Aren't you glad that Paul didn't give up, but he sent Timothy and wrote a letter to the Thessalonians? It may be a different way than you first envisioned, but don't stop fighting until God opens that door. This fights against a person's heart being rocky soil for receiving the word of God. Do you know that we, our prayers, are what pushes that tiller through the rocky soil of a person's heart until their heart is open before God? Thank God for a praying grandmother when I so far backslid and I didn't want anything to do with God or the church and she prayed until God broke my heart and got my attention and I said, yes, Lord, yes. Pray for that person that's got the rocky heart. Pray that the Lord makes another person's heart blameless in holiness. Now, I know this sounds like perfection. You go, oh, here he goes. Nope. Neither me nor Paul is saying pray that someone become a Pharisee. It's not what I'm saying. No, this has more to do with our hearts desiring the Lord's way and not as much to do with our willpower to do what is right. I know that this is a subtle difference and the way to tell the difference is to find out who gets the credit. If I desire to imitate the Lord's holiness, then my focus is on the Lord and the work is the Lord's. If I will myself to obey God's law, then my focus is on myself and the work is mine. Who gets the credit? Another thing we're famous for, it's all about Jesus. Are you making everything that you do all about Jesus or all about you? And that's where I go to meddling. And I'm going to go on and move to the last point. Pray for your fellow believer that they will be rewarded by hearing the Lord proclaim to them, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. We've probably thought, God, I really want to hear that when I get there. Have we prayed that for somebody else? God, this person, I want to lift them up to you. They are a fellow believer and they are working and they are struggling, but God, I want them to earn the reward that you have in place for them. Lift one another up. And so we can give thanksgiving for God's word and we can give thanksgiving for one another. And that's the lesson that we're learning out of 1 Thessalonians. We get to the next chapters and we'll get our jump boots on because we're going to talk about the rapture. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your grace and for your mercy. And I thank you for every believer that is here today. So often we as churches, we get so focused on reaching out to the unbelievers that we forget how important it is 
for those of us who believe in you to come together, thank you that today we are coming together in your name to hear your word, to grow and to be encouraged and to be nourished by you. God, we're far from perfect, but oh, that you would give us the desire for you. Oh, that you would give us the desire that we would turn our face to you and look to you in the midst of every hardship, affliction, and distress so that you would get the glory, God, for upholding us, for sustaining us, and that we would be so willing, God, to just pour out to the world around us our testimony of what you are doing in our lives. Father, I do pray for Pastor Rob, and I pray for the other pastors this morning. The enemy would love to tear them down and trip them up. God, I pray and I ask you to rebuke the plans and the schemes and the designs of the enemy that would trip up our pastors. Father, I pray that you give our pastors a love for you, a love for their people, and a love for your word that will sustain them in these coming days. Oh God, we need you to heal our sick and we need you to comfort those and the families of those who are coming to be with you and graduating from this life. But God, we who believe, we who are working and striving, not trying to earn our salvation, but simply, Father, believe in you. God, we need you. We need to be touched by you. We need to be nourished by you. And we need to be strengthened and encouraged by one another. Father, you've said that the threefold cord is not easily broken. Father, there are more than three of us here today. Jesus, you said where two or three are gathered in your name that a thing shall be done. Father, if we as an assembly and a fellowship agree together to pray for one another, that we overcome the enemy, then we shall endure by your grace and by your mercy as we stand upon your word. And Father, now as we stand on your word, I pray that we from our hearts can worship you and praise you and glorify you. Because God, if it were not for your grace, if it were not for your mercy, we wouldn't be here today to sing your praise. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray. Amen. Stand up and praise the Lord.
that there are just battles being fought in this room, Lord. I would venture to guess every believer here has got some battle that you're fighting for them. But you are faithful. And you come through for us. And that's why we praise you. Oh, my God, my love. 
blessing. Lord, what a blessing to be able to serve you. What a blessing to be able to minister to one another. And God, as we go into our fellowship time and go to have lunch together, Lord, just that that love that Daniel was teaching about today would just pour out of us as we minister to one another. And, and God, we just thank you so much for the hands that have prepared lunch for us today. And Lord, may our time together just be sweet. In Jesus' name, amen. But it is birthday Sunday. John, what's your little baby? John's little baby's got a birthday today. Did he leave? All right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll eat cake on your behalf. And it's our own Helena Lena's birthday today. What other? Who, who else are November birthdays? Remember? Brianna, are you, is it your birthday? All right, Brianna's birthday. Well, whatever. Well, close enough. She gets a birthday month. She's cool enough for a whole month, a birthday. Yeah, she, you don't want a birthday day, right? You want, like, the month. It's yeah. Day. Oh, it is day. See? See? <laughs> All right. Any all right. So Brianna's November birthday. All right. I don't know your name, dude, but all right. This guy right here, who's visit some friends of Charlotte and Michaels. We're just call you Charlotte Michaels friends. I, you know, if you've seen me wander around the church, I call people sister and brother a lot. You, that's why. <laughs> Who else? We got Helena. We got are we up. We got her third. All right, well, if we missed you, the Lord knows. I think he was there, so, you know, he, he remembers. He fashioned you together in your mother's womb. He knows when you were born. We'll just do from Calvary Chapel, okay, because that's a lot of names to remember. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. cake every month for the birthdays and you guys make sure you get some of that cake. You're dismissed. Have an awesome day.